So welcome to the new episode of The Unbeatable Life. And for those who don't know, my name is Grant Donnelly. And The Unbeatable Life is what I like to think is a zero bullshit way to becoming unbeatable. I realised over the years that people are just sitting there hoping someone is going to come and save their life. you got to stop that right now. It's not going to happen. Life's going to go pear-shaped and no one is miraculously coming and showing up to save you. We default to the level of our experience. And I came across a great quote today, chance favours the prepared mind, Louis Pasteur. So the idea is, is that we have to be prepared for ourselves. So the idea of the unbeatable mind is to outfit you with the tools and strategies, empowering you to become unbeatable. At times the journey is going to get rough and you might feel like you're not cut out for this one. But with unrelenting determination, you can build a life, a marriage, a family, a business that is unbeatable. I've got your back, but more importantly, I know what I know. I also know what I don't know. So I bring on experts and people who I believe are living their unbeatable life. So today, I am going to introduce you to Jess Coomerlin, and I'll let him introduce you to you. Over to you, Jess. Thanks, Grant. Um, I love that intro and that quote, prepared mind. So powerful. So powerful. <laughs> yeah, yeah keep, one of the things just came across today, I'm like, damn. <laughs> Makes you stop for sure. Well, Grant, first of all, thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm super privileged to be able to have a conversation with you today. And for those of you that um, my introduction is, my name is Jess Coomerlin, and I help individuals work with the natural processes and unique chemistry of their body to reclaim their health. So really, it's looking at how does your body work? And then how do you take simple actions to produce the health results that you want? So that, again, I like, I like the term unpack. So I'm mm -hmm. going to try and unpack some of that. How did you get into that? <laughs> yeah, great question. We'll start great with question. that one and like see where it goes. Yeah. Do you remember, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but when I was younger, I remember watching TV and it was the infomercials for... I think it was hair products. And then it, it was always a person that came on and said, before I was a CEO of the company, I was actually a customer of the product. Yep. And I don't remember the brand or whatever it was, but I always remember that because it's like, oh, well, yeah, he was bald, but then he took this product and now he has hair. Magical. Miraculously, it comes back. Like <laughs> right, right. Well, this is how I came across working with my business partner, Belden Combe who is a metabolic cellular biologist by trade, uh, which is a just kind of a fancy name for, he studied the body at a cellular level for over 16 years. And our paths crossed um, early on in my business career. And we were talking about something totally different than health. But when we started working together, health was something I still couldn't figure out. And as we continued to talk and I was going to do something else for him, he's like, before we go down this road, I think you should actually go through this program. And I was like, you know, I'm a pretty fit guy. You know, I was an athlete in high school. I, I don't know if I'm going to learn anything different. You know, this is what I told him. But deep inside, you know, I've been struggling for 10 years 
you know, try and diet after diet, try and workouts, all these different things, all these different things without any control over my health, you know, things we don't really talk about with other people. But when this presented itself, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can learn anything from you. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it's not working in me right now, but I know, <laughs> but I'm not going to learn anything from you. Right, exactly. Um, but no, it's just, it was kind of opportune time and I was ready for something new. And when I started that program with him, um, I was able to create these fantastical results in health that I never thought were possible. For example, um, I mean, in one day I lost four pounds, which I think that's almost equivalent to two kilos. And I was like, I, how is this happening? And it wasn't like doing complex things, but it was just really learning about my body, learning how simple actions of like specific foods and combinations of foods, how they actually nourish my body that I was giving my body the uh, everything that it needed for the first time. And when that happened, my body responded in kind saying, oh, cool. Like we're getting everything it needs. So we're going to do everything that we were built to do, which was one of those is to get rid of excess body fat <laughs> very fast. <laughs> so it's interesting what you say is, is that you relate it all back to health. You know, you're not saying that it's about weight loss, you're not saying it's about these things. These are the, the effect of fueling your body with what it requires mm. and the way that it requires it. Yep. So you mentioned combining there. Uh, I'll, I'll date myself even more than you. Oh, way, 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 way back. That was a book that came out and it was this, there was a whole one of these things about this food combining diet. Mm -hmm. And it talked all about things from an almost scientific perspective, but it missed out some of the science, mm -hmm. right? So how are you, how are you getting ready of those previous I'll use the term pseudoscience things that have been out there and getting people into, like me, who struggle with that fitness side of things and that health side of things, because, you know, I know better. Um, to get rid of those, I'm not going to use that word, I'm not going to use it, the beliefs that they have based mm. on the previous experiences they have, how do you yeah. change that for them to see yeah. something different? I think it's, you ask a powerful question because this is something that everyone on this planet, everyone on this planet is not immune to, that simply we all make bonehead decisions. It's just yeah, a we part of what we do, right? That's true, yeah. Yeah, but we sometimes forget that. And we think like some people are just naturally born and they just make great decisions all the time. And, you know, they never make a bad decision when it's actually a part of our, you know, systems of thinking where it's great in one sense that we can make really efficient decisions so we don't like look at every detail and say oh i have to think about this again but you know the idea of efficient decision making is like if you've done something again and again you just it just happens without you thinking about it right yep 
But by doing that, it opens a trap door where because you've done something a certain way or you have a certain belief, then if something new is presented, then you're not going to give it the full attention. Right? Because it requires effort. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I love to talk about this idea of called mental biases. And oh, yeah. one of these has these mental biases that, you know, we make bonehead decisions because of them. And because of that and understanding that, I think that goes a huge way in talking to people because when I first started out, I was like, well, why can't you see this? Like, this is powerful. And I went underneath this transformation and, and all this. And, you know, people were kind of looking at me like, he's really, he's really passionate about it, but I'm still not listening. Yeah. I'm not buying. I'm not buying. Right. Yep. And, you know, back then I, I hadn't done that research into how people think and what are the natural systems of thinking. And, you know, as I've continued to learn about the psychology of psychology of how we think and how we make decisions, I think opening someone else, else to an idea is really looking at, you know, first of all, what are their views? What are their beliefs before I come and say like, hey, what I have is much better than what you have. <laughs> yep. Because again, that one just throws up the, no, you don't. <laughs> exactly. How do you know what I have thing? That automatically throws up the, we'll call it the cognitive bias wall. It's like, no, nope, exactly. sorry. <laughs> yeah. And so, so how are I you would... breaking these things down? How are you changing those cognitive biases? Yeah. Um, I think it goes back into the research of what we've done as a company, but um, myself as an individual, because I'm very intrigued about how we make decisions and how we think. And um, it's just really looking at, you're not going to change someone's mind right off the bat. Like that just isn't going to happen. <laughs> Oh, I've seen people out there that tell you, I can change your mind and turn your life around in four hours. It's like, really? <laughs> I'd sign me up for that course. Exactly. You know? I think the biggest thing is, yeah, understanding where someone's at first. Mm -hmm. It's not just, and it's usually not the first answer that they tell you. But it's, it's never really the asking. first answer they tell me. <laughs> <laughs> no, not usually. Never the first answer. <laughs> so, you know, I've really learned to ask really good questions to really see where someone's at and, you know, really, you know, what has been their frustration? What has been their experience that, you know, has either really held them to that belief or has made them fearful, even though if that belief is not serving them, that they're going to hold on to it. That, again, there's an interesting word there. And I, I keep picking, I'll pick in tiny wee words all the way through. It's just who I am. It's like the idea that people are fearful. Like, what do you mean by that? Right? So I mean, everybody, anybody out there in a personal development space and all the blah, 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 and anybody that's in growth mindset, yeah, they'll hear the term, and I'm, I'm using it, but I don't like it, limiting belief. Because I don't actually believe there's anything limiting belief. The beliefs that we have are really protection mechanisms that we set up for ourselves. Limiting belief is normally something that somebody else has put on you and says, that's the reason you're not moving forward. Exactly. But you use the term fear there. Mm -hmm. And I'm also going against most of these, oh, fear appearing to be real. No, fear's bloody real. Mm -hmm. It's happening to us. It doesn't need to be logical. 
but for us, it's real. So you use that term fear. Yeah. Why? Because you said a word that I think if someone <laughs> they're like, no, you're oh, not to that. Right? Um, I said fear because um, it goes back to kind of, uh, not kind of, but it's how we think. It's how mm-hmm. the systems of how we set ourselves to protect ourselves, like yep. you said, right? And the key word here is stasis. As humans, we crave stasis, you know, and what we think and what we do, our patterns. I mean, you just look at what you do on a daily basis and it's routines and things that you're comfortable with. That's stasis. Yep. But when you move away from stasis, that's something uncertain. That's something that's new. And although it might present a benefit to you, that moves you away from something that is known. So then automatically that uncertainty is going to cause you fear because it's protecting you, right? Mm -hmm. From moving away from what is known and stasis, right? And this works with thoughts and beliefs, you know? And um, I mean, I'll go to kind of an extreme example, but we talk about relationships. You know, if someone is in his, is in an abusive relationship and someone on the outside can say like, how can that person still be in that relationship? Right. But the person inside that relationship, that's their stasis. That's what they've known. That's what they're comfortable with. Even though it's not beneficial for them, that's what stasis is. And until they can overcome that fear of like, Hey, this comfort doesn't serve me. And I know I could be better served somewhere else. That's why, even though that, yeah, someone can say, I I don't understand why you're with that person or why you stay in that relationship. People are like, you know, it's, it's okay. And they'll say one thing after another that keeps them in that relationship of stasis because that's comfort for them because that's what's familiar to them. Yeah. I think a lot of people could try and nitpick at that and pick it apart and say, well, how can that be comfortable? it's the ideologies that it's the stuff our brain sets up for us. It's like, it's what we know. Um, And then the other thing that keeps us there is that fear, like you said, the unknown overpowers the fear of the known. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, that's just what it is. Um, Yeah. Fear is a big one that plays into that idea. And stasis is a good one, but it takes us back to a point though. Mm -hmm. If stasis is where we are comfortable, which is Netflix, you know, bag of chips. <laughs> yes. That's comfort because if anybody out there that's maybe new to this or hasn't dug deep enough in, your brain is an energy efficiency seeking machine. Mm-hmm. It wants to do the least amount of work possible. Mm-hmm. So if it doesn't have to tap into any positive conscious thought it ain't gonna it's like exactly that's where habit and routine and all that take over and that's how habit and routine can be powerful to free up cognitive energy for other things mm-hmm. so but it sounds like you're you're kind of first steps are breaking through those that energy barrier it's like like you're spending all this energy doing this we need to shift that energy into doing this before we even look at how you're putting energy in. Is that, yeah. is that a bit right? Yeah, I, I think so. And there's one key point I think um, I want to touch base before we get into like 
you know, someone is in this energy and then we're just going to shift that a little bit. Right. Um, you know, I, I learned, I think about three years ago and the quote just still always is with me, but it's this idea that you're going to fail a hundred percent of the races that you do not enter yourself. Yep. Right. And it's so true. Cause if you think about your life and you think about things that someone else put you or volunteered you for, you didn't want to be there. You didn't want to do it. So the first chance you got to go, you left. Right. And, you know, this is true for all aspects of our life and health is no different. So the first thing I think to change someone's perspective is, you know, I, I ask a lot of questions to see if this is even an area that this is a race that they want to be in. Because if it, if it isn't, then it makes no sense for me to carry that conversation anymore because it would be literally beating a dead horse, as they would say. That's a pretty powerful analogy in that one. Yeah. Yeah. But is this it a is race, a race you want to be in? Yeah. If it is a race that they are interested in, and whether that's like they're asking questions or they're, they're saying, hey, you know, I know you're in the health space. Like, what do you think about this? Then that opens up that next step where it's like, okay, let, let's really see where you're at. Let's see, you know, where you stand in terms of your beliefs and, you know, what you've what you're working on, what, what has worked for you in the past mm -hmm. and just really getting a clear idea of what they're looking at. But I think the next part of that in terms of making a shift for individual is really leveraging doubt. Okay. Explain that one a wee bit more. Yeah. So how do you leverage doubt <laughs> and still so, keep it in a positive mindset? No, of course. Um, I think, one thing is, uh, I'll tell you a brief story because I'll sh just to kind of amplify the story of doubt. Um, so the devil's going out of business. He's done. He's done doing everything against God and he's, look, I'm going out of business. So he's having a sale of all the things he's used through the millennia to try to break humans, right? So in this sale, people are going through and looking and looking at price tags, this and that. And someone comes across this very small item and this person has been walking through, you know, the devil's lair. And it's like, hey, Mr. Devil, why is this small thing the most expensive thing that you have here? The devil looks over and says, oh, chuckles a little bit. And then he's like, oh, that is my most powerful weapon. Do you know what the name of that weapon was? I'm going to let you finish the story. Because <laughs> I've got a very good idea. I'm like, damn. <laughs> he said the name of it, the tool was the wedge of doubt. Yep. And he said it's the most powerful tool because, you know, if he needed to, you know, break the will of man, crumble a dynasty, do these catastrophic things, then all he needed was this tool because how a wedge works is it only needs a little space, mm -hmm. just a little space and a little pressure. And what was once solid, solid can be split very quickly. That's good. I've never heard that one. Never heard the yeah. story. No. When I first heard that story, I was like, Oh, that makes total sense. Now. Yeah. I, I, that is, that is a good one. Um, yeah. So how do you take the doubts away? Yeah. So actually, I, I don't take the doubts away. Um, you know, 
I'm always in the belief that if someone's ready and they're like, great, health is the race I want to be in. And I understand where they're at. Um, I, I speak to them about doubt in a way for them to gain a new perspective. I don't gotcha. say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to put doubt in your mind in, in terms of a negative outcome, but I'm going to ask questions to see if your belief is that something that is going to work for you hundred percent of the time to create exactly what you want. Because if I try to convince you to do that, I'm just going to talk till I'm blue in the face. And then what's probably going to happen is you're going to yell at me. I'm probably going to want to yell at you because of the mirror neurons. And it's not going to be a pretty thing. But if I understand, you know, what you believe in terms of health, and then I can just ask some questions of, okay, great. But how is that working for you? Yep. And in terms of the results that you've been looking for that you've said, like, does that produce this on a consistent basis? And then I stop. Because then the silence and let that just go and say, okay, yeah. Have a think. Yep. And usually what people will do is a little doubt will creep in and say, well, is this working like I think it is or how I believe it is? And then, you know, at that time, this varies from individual to individual, you know, they can come very quickly. Oh, okay. Well, tell me more. And, Mm -hmm. you know, how else can I look at this? Or it might be even days, weeks. You know, I've had people contact me like months later. And it's like, hey, do you remember that conversation we had about? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you know, what you made, it, what you said made sense now. It makes sense to me. And, you know, how else can I think about this in a new way where, you know, what I love to do is teach people that, you know, your body, a natural organism has natural processes like anything. And once you learn those fundamental principles and the basic unique chemistry of how it operates, then instead of working against it, then you're able to work with it. And as we know, when we work with nature, you work less and the outcomes happen much faster. So these are the conversations I like to have with people just because it's not me saying like what we have is the best in the world. And what you're doing is not good at all. If you're taking actions to take control of your health, like, yes, amazing. I'm yep. happy. For How else can I support you? But if someone is ready and says, look, I've tried everything, <laughs> literally everything. And it just doesn't make sense to me. And that's like the most exciting conversation you can have with someone. Cause then you can see the light bulb start to like, Oh yeah. Like, my body does have, it's a natural thing and there are processes and yeah, yeah. Food is an important in, ingredient of that. And, and then those conversations go deeper and it's, it's really powerful because then clarity, as you know, especially in personal development space, you know, without clarity, you know, it's just a lot of wasted action that ends in frustration versus with clarity, <laughs> it becomes focused action that produces results in a way that your mind, your body now are in alignment. So yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I really like what you said there is, you know, that wasteful action and the idea that it makes sense for somebody. 
it's just been my experience. I don't know if it's been your experience that there's so much out there and not even just in the personal development field and any, any kind of change momentum, whether it's business or industry or health, personal, it doesn't matter. It's the biggest proportion of it, from my experience, seems to be very prescriptive, right? It's like, do this, this happens. There's no, you know, it's like taking the recipe and saying, and I know you love to cook, we'll get into that in a wee bit. It's like handing somebody a recipe and says, here, and I think what was today's recipe, pork chops or some garlic and rosemary yeah. pork chops or something was on the menu for the day. But as I was saying, here, go and take that. Now you get to a group of people and somebody burns it, somebody undercooks it, somebody makes it too tough, somebody does this. And then you get somebody that really just nails it. But they're a trained chef. Somebody's actually trained them how to cook, how to put things together, not just a recipe. I think there's so much out there just now and always has been in every facet. It's like, here's the recipe. Go do it. People are confused. You know, that's how stuff doesn't make sense because I think in some aspects, there's so many people that they're trying to take people as stupid that they don't want to know. But I come for the aspect is, is that the more you can teach about why things are the way they are, the greater an understanding somebody has, the more charge they can take of themselves. Yeah. And then when you're not there, they're like, I get that shit. I know why that's that. And I know where that is. And I now can fix it. So I think there's such an industry there that don't want to empower people to take charge themselves. They just want to be prescriptive. But there's a group of people out there that just want that prescription. They're just like, what's the hack? What's the quick way? What's this? You don't sound like you're doing that. It's like, no, no, we don't do hacks. We don't do this. We, you know, this is this is a long-term thing. You know? Mm -hmm. what, yeah. What made you take that road? Because it, the other road seems to be very, very popular. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and a heck of a lot easier for people to go, I can do that. I can do that. You're taking the load, uh, what my experience is, less traveled, mm -hmm. definitely tougher. <laughs> I know because I'm experiencing it myself. Yeah. You know? I don't, I want to empower people, enable people, not just, you know, things have to become what's the cause, not just address the effect. Mm -hmm. Why are you taking that path? You know, I think this reminds me of the parable give a man a fish. He eats once, teach a man a fish, and he'll never go hungry ever again. And I've always wanted and been intrigued by like, okay, yeah, that could possibly give me a quick fix, but I want to understand the fundamentals yep. so that, that I can really understand this and do it. And I, I haven't been able to clarify it. Like it wasn't, I was born and I, oh yeah, this is how I think and this is what I gravitate towards. But as I've matured in life and as I've had those experiences to prepare my mind, um, I really enjoy and gravitate towards people that want a clear understanding of fundamentals first, very simplistic, because if you know fundamentals, you know how then to manipulate concepts in a way that you can produce the results that you want versus if it's, you know, looking at symptoms. 
and looking for at this one tactic. I mean, mm-hmm. you can combine so many tactics together to solve multitudes of symptoms, but are you actually getting to the root cause? Right? Yeah. I'm a root cause guy. Always have been through my entire career in industry, electronics, whatever it was. It's like, what caused it to break? Yeah. Right. And then below that, the Japanese methodology. Um, and let me see if I remember my terminologies for my time I've done with NEC. I think it's called Nazi Nazi Bunseki or something. Mm. And it's the ideology that is just because it's there and somebody's given it to you and says that we can improve it. How do we make it better? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's the incremental change thing as well. It's like, okay. So we've done that, what would happen? Well, that might work, but what would the impact be? So there's that methodology. And I've always had that industry put terms on it. It's like, how do you make that better? Mm-hmm. And in order to make something better, you need to get to the fundamentals. So I like how you did that. I like that. It's, again, know the fundamentals that lets you manipulate the concepts. Yeah. It's a good and one. I think, just like you said, with continued improvement, I think once you get to the fundamentals, what's powerful is that you can cut away excess because it's not about more. You know, it's about getting to what's really important and what actually causes the results that you're able to be like, okay, like this complete part, we don't need, like, we don't even consider that, but these few pieces here, like, this is where the magic happens. So let's focus on this. Let's learn this. So I think that's a powerful thing in terms of, yeah, continual improvement is something that I think is amazing, but it becomes even more powerful because learning the fundamentals, you can easily cut away what is unnecessary. And then that just makes that process even more powerful and more effective, right? Get it back to basics. Yeah. 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 So I know you're a dad, right? So how, how, how are you teaching your kids or this kind of thing? How are you <laughs> imparting that wisdom on them? Yeah. Day by day. Um, (laughs) I remember my dad used to tell me things like, we're we're taking it day by day. Day by day. Some (laughs) days are wins, some days, yeah. Yeah. Lots of good wins. (laughs) Right? And I think, you know, we live in a culture where it's like social media, hashtag best day of my life every day, where, you know, it's, oh, look at this and look at that. And there's not a lot of real talk out there sometimes. And yeah. I think people look at me and say, Jess, like you have these amazing pictures of food and your kids are eating like green stuff. And like, it must be so easy for you when there's days when they just, they're like, that tasted gross. I'm not going to eat it. Right. How do you feel when that happens? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and as I said, this is part of the whole point of the unbeatable life. It's like, you just said a bit, keep it real. Okay. Yep. It's like, no, glossing over the top. When you, you, you've been out there and um, I lost it a couple of weeks ago, like lost it, right? I made pizza for scratch, the dough, the whole cold <laughs> rice thing, you know, it's a recipe we got for uh, my kid's teacher at middle school. He's an Italian, he's a chef, mm. the whole cold rice, rolling it. What do you want in your pizza? We've got the pizza stones. I'm at start to finish. I was two hours, right? <laughs> for five years, individual pizzas great because there's leftovers on a saturday mm-hmm. and then they come up and they just started fighting i lost it like the bickering and i was like 
Jewelers making these pieces, and this is the gratitude you get. Like, seriously, people, could we not just come up and bring some harmony to this household? I wasn't very harmonious, you know? But, you know, they enjoy the pizza. <laughs> but there's things you do. Um, I, turned my, I turned my kid a vegetarian for a month when mm. I presented them with a fish that I had marinated for 24 hours and brine and then smoked it and all the rest. It was all still there. It was all really nicely laid out in the plate. And he's like, I'm not eating that. Would you eat it? <laughs> I'm not eating that. I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Give me his due. I, I gave him a couple of days, but he hung it out for a whole month. Okay. Right. So I learned to cook some vegetarian dishes. It wasn't a bad experience overall. We can mm. all do eating some more veg. But yeah. how do you feel when your kids and you did, you're going to all this effort and then all of a sudden it's like, Dad, it's gross. I'm not eating that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just being real. It, yeah, your ego and pride hurt a little bit. Uh, natural, because uh, we do put that investment of time, but it's not just like actually preparing. It's like the thought like, hey, I thought you would like that. And I, I went to the store to buy this. And, you know, I think people sometimes forget with meals, it's, it's not just the cooking, it's like the planning, the going, the buying and all this stuff. So yeah, the ego definitely takes a hit. But <laughs> um, after that initial like, okay, um, I always try to land on the side of learning, you know, and it's either this input that was just provided me is telling me something of how I can proceed in the future to make this better. So I think it's very easy for a parent if you try, like, especially I've had chats with a lot of parents of, you know, it's just so hard to cook healthy for the family because no one wants to eat anything. Yeah, you feel like a short order cook half the time. I don't want that. I want this. I don't want this. But the idea is they're telling you data. They're always providing data for you. And it's hard. It's hard. Like, again, it goes back to that hit on the ego, um, because I think a lot of people are smart individuals and they've mastered certain areas of their life. But when they encounter something that they're just a fish, fish out of water, no pun intended. Totally illogical, totally emotionally run miniature human being. It's like the logic say, that doesn't make sense. You liked it yesterday. Exactly. I don't like it today. (laughs) Yeah. So... I think the ego takes a hit, yep. but then, you know, just taking a look at it in a different perspective, just saying, okay, my family has said this, or my kids have said this. And I think the more that you can land on that side and learn from it, and then start to incorporate them more in the process, then they start to acquiesce more in terms of kind of your creativity in the kitchen and things like that. And they're more apt to try, which is like the most important part. Right. Yeah. 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 So what's your, what's your favorite dishes for your kids or what's your kids' favorite Ooh. dishes? Well, my kids have, well, both of my kids are different as we all know. With we all know. Yep. Um, my son, his favorite is uh, whole, whole meal pancakes. So okay. it's like whole, whole meal flour. We make pancakes every Saturday. He loves uh, pork sausage, sloppy joes, you know, it's a phase. So those are uh, my son's favorites. And my daughter loves sea bass, <gasps> loves chicken wings, and um, watermelon because it's in season. So, you know, and it varies because I think just 
even six months ago, my daughter really didn't like fish where, you know, we tried sea bass one day and she's like, Hey, I really like this. And I didn't point out it was fish. I was like, cool, I'm going to keep cooking it. But you know, after a few times, after I knew the test was done, I was like, Hey, this is fish. It's sea bass. She's like, Oh, okay. It's good. I like it. So one of the things that very few people will probably know about you right now is, is that you live in Portugal. Yeah. Yeah. How did you get there? How did that happen? And I believe because oh, yeah. you, you know, knowing you, you get access to a lot of fresh food and mm. markets yeah. and, you know, completely different cuisine. And you're yeah. no Portuguese, are you? I am not Portuguese. You're not Portuguese. <laughs> I, I know people can't see me, but I am not Portuguese. <laughs> um, yeah, funny story. You know, I think out of college, you know, um, things didn't work out exactly as I thought, like I think most people. Yep. And... I decided to go teach for a couple of years because as a professor said, you know, go do this before you take your LSTATs and do other things. And I said, cool. And I did that. And I quite enjoyed it. And, you know, those first two years, I made a lot of great connections. And I think I moved on to another teaching job somewhere else in the States. But then from that first job, there was a connect that reached out to me and said, you should come teach overseas. And I was like, what? what is that? And she said, yeah, well, I mean, you teach, but you teach at a school overseas. And I was like, that's a thing. (laughs) And you don't know what you don't know until somebody tells you, you don't know. And it was incredible. Um, My first teaching job was in Beijing, China. And I went and it was just like, opened my eyes to the, like a totally new, different world. One, because it was China and Beijing, but two, this international life where, you know, I grew up in the United States and I love to travel and learn new languages, but I didn't ever think that I would live abroad. But gotcha. that started 14 years of me living abroad. And, you know, it was first in China where I met my wife of all places. And then we, got married and then we moved to brazil for five years had two kids and then we moved back to hong kong for three years right and then from there we moved to portugal where we're at now and we've been here for about a year so so there's some really interesting cuisines coming up here there's a lot of meat happening see a lot of meat (laughs) yeah i definitely i think south america is amazing uh if i think people have ever been you know argentina of course has some great cuts of steak but as anything with argentina and brazil there's rivalries and everything and i mean barbecuing meat is the same thing so brazil has amazing cuts and barbecue so but um i think chile is such an amazing country because of you know, it's a country that has such a long coastline. You're talking about so many different climates, so many different, yeah. you know, cuisines, even within that one country that, um, yeah, it's incredible. So, so are you, are you taking all this global experience of food and, and all that sort of thing? Are you bringing that to the programs you're offering? Are you kind of introducing people to this sort of thing and saying, Hey, you know, you can get away with I'm oh, okay. Let me. I will not presume, I will ask, your audience and your client base, is it global? Is it US-based? What is it? Yeah, it's, 
I mean, most of our clients are in the U.S., but we do um, are now we are now in ten different countries in the world, so it is international. And I think I love being a part of a company like that because I think because I've traveled so much and learned so many so many different things about cuisine and cultures, that you know, incorporating that into you know how to work with the body in terms of health and food is it just makes it so much more powerful because it's not one note at all. There's so many notes. There's spices. There's fresh herbs. There's these different ways to prepare things, and you know the flavors themselves. I think if anyone has traveled, like Southeast Asia has these amazing flavors, right? And uh, of course, South America has these amazing steaks, and you know Portugal has amazing seafood because it's right along the coast. So, yeah, each country ha- that we've lived in has presented, in terms of cuisine, different things that I've. Learn that now I apply within our business in terms of, okay, take a look at this Thai pork dish that we are going to share today, or let's take a look at how to do this um, top sirloin cap steak, which in Brazil is called the picanha, right? Which you know in some countries that's like a third third grade cut yep. in terms of beef versus in Brazil that's number one because it's how they prepare it. And it's, it's how it's prepared. Fantastic. Yeah, see, I yeah. do that in my smoker. Mm. Got to get it done in the smoker. Just let it break down and yeah. Yeah. yeah, But it requires time. It requires preparation. It requires thought. You can't just go in, fire up the the grill and 20 minutes later, that thing's done. (laughs) It's a five to 10 hour process, Mm -hmm. you know, and don't get me started on brisket. (laughs) I love brisket. Oh. It is a labor of love. Oh, it definitely I mean, if anyone, is. It definitely if has. anyone is cooked to brisket, they should know it's a labor of love. Oh. That's that's a 12-hour job at least. And, you know, it's one of the things that comes out the back end and you're like, damn, mm. damn, yeah. I've messed that bit up. You know, <laughs> I've cut that bit the wrong way. I'd done that the first one. I was like, oh, how did I miss that part? I was like, it's an experiment. You know, it's one of the rules I live by. You know, life's an experiment. You adopt, you adapt, you abandon. What did I do wrong? How did I do it the next time? You know, just give yourself a wee bit of love and don't waste the meat. <laughs> so what's yeah. your favorite thing to cook? Ah, uh, I think it depends on where I'm at, to be honest with you, Grant, because, you know, wherever I'm, where, wherever I'm at, I'm always looking for, you know, what's local, mm-hmm. what's fresh, and from that, you know, from what I've learned about cuisines around the world, it's that's where, you know, the magic happens. Because then I think here I can find these like amazing, I mean, they just call them shrimp here, but they look like prawns, like the size of like prawns. <laughs> other parts of the world. I'm for the, I'm for the UK. We only ever had prawns. They were either small prawns or they were big prawns. <laughs> it's not until you get to somewhere like outside the United Kingdom and other areas like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah but um yeah the, the prawns here are the shrimp whatever what do you call them like last crustaceous amazing seafood. so um you know there's some like great like thai garlic and coriander um you know sauces that i've learned when i was in southeast asia that now you combine that with the shrimp and mm-hmm. oh it is delicious and um that's i think sea bass I mean, you can buy a whole sea bass here for, I think. Don't don't, don't embarrass people. Don't embarrass people. Yeah. People are like, how it's, much? Uh, yeah, it's incredible. And, um, you know, you 
once you buy from a person and you become a regular, then you like build this relationship where it's like, hey, have like this smaller sea bass for free today. It's like, oh, oh, great, like fantastic. So I think there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. I mean, grill it, put it in the oven. So um, I'm just experimenting a lot with the seafood here because it's so fresh. And um, I'm trying to think what else I've been experimenting with lately. They actually have here, which is very interesting, is a picanha hamburger. Um, I know in Brazil, why didn't I think of that? But, you know, they've taken the picanha, they've ground it with uh, fresh spices, and they make it into these, like, massive patties that, you know, that make these amazing hamburgers. So it's like, man, I would have never known that. But now you add that to the mix, and it's, oh, it's delicious. Yeah, I think, I don't know if I asked you before, but there's one of the dishes, I, I spent three years in Gibraltar, mm. um, and there's a, there's a mixture of Moorish community in there, and, you know, I was younger, so, you know, on a night out, you need to have some eat to kind of soak up some of that <laughs> beer when you get home, and there were one of these things is this cafe used to have, and they were called Pinchitos, mm. and it's lamb skewers, and I'd see trying to find the right spice mix for these things, oh, man. Um, like, tried a couple and it's just no nailing it i'm just no getting it right? and it was just like oh it's so good oh, and that's yeah. what i'm saying it's this mixture of culture and as it blends together it's just like that's damn good cool. and it's one of the things i'm salivating just now just thinking about it it's like yeah. going by going oh <laughs> <laughs> i remember so, I, there was something like that because um i think People think Shanghai is this like huge metropolis, which it is, but it's very international that there's actually a big Muslim quarter in there. And we actually went there for the street food because we looked it up. And you think about Chinese dumplings and then mixed in with like Muslim lamb and like dough. And they made this like hybrid dumpling that I've never tasted anything like that in the world before. And of all places, like, yeah, it's a dumpling in China, but it's like has all of these spices from the Middle East. Yep. It has kind of bread from, you know, maybe the India, that kind of region. Mm -hmm. And it's then fried up into this dumpling, which, yeah, you're in China. So it's like, wow, like, how did this happen? But it's amazing. And whoever thought of this idea, genius. <laughs> fusion, that fusion of culture, you know? Right. Yeah. A lot of chefs get this recommend or recognition because of the fusion, but we've been doing it for centuries. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But like again, a podcast guest a couple of weeks ago, he says you got to get an experienced life, mm -hmm. and unless you're experienced in life, it ain't gonna happen. So, you know, you had to be there. Nobody could tell you. It's like, oh, that's dumpling. It's like it's like oh, okay, it's dumpling. It's like no, 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 no. You really. I just gotta <laughs> like when it put together, it just becomes amazing. It's like okay, you know, and you ain't finding a recipe for that on blinking Google. No, definitely <laughs> not. Definitely not. <laughs> so you're bringing all this to these programs you're offering, um, and helping the world to or expanding your world. You know, taking away your predominantly American clientele away for the sad. You know, surely that. Surely that's the hardest part. Like when you get, you know, you've seen there is no meaning be derogatory, but sad's there for a reason, right? I mean, it's a mass-produced industry. It's there as convenience. It's it, 
and it, it just plays to who, who we've become, right? And mm. the speed at which we were trying to live at instead of trying to slow down and experience food. I mean, I commented into somebody recently and says, you know, what do you do for enjoyment? And he was talking about buying himself a smoker. And I'm like, while I enjoy cooking, I'm not doing it for enjoyment. You know, and I'm like, does that make sense? It's like, I enjoy taking that time out and I enjoy taking that. But if somebody says, us, go and do something for enjoyment, I'm not going to go and cook. You know, I can find the love in it for what it, provi- what it provides, but it wouldn't be something I would gravitate towards. Because, like you said, it takes time, it takes planning, it takes energy, you know? It is way much easier to fire some chicken wings into the air fryer. <laughs> yeah. No, it's I say the air fryer, not the deep fryer. No. It's, it's a wee that. bit better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, because you have a predominantly, say, an American clientele who are so used to that convenience. And and some it's good. If yeah. you watch it, how do you break that again mindset and mm-hmm. get into that preparation? So you're teaching that sort of stuff as well. But yeah, I think what we do within our businesses, it's a very holistic approach. It's not just telling you, okay, great. Like, here it is, like, here's, here's a menu plan for you. And um, that's it. Well, we also know that there is mind issues that are going to be a part of that journey. We also know that experiences have shaped a person with certain beliefs. So with that in mind, um, we are discussing great for you specifically, this is what's going to work for you, first of all. But then second of all, as that journey unfolds, How do we meet you in a way that we're able to unpack, like you say, those things that maybe have held you back in the past. And instead of just cutting it off at the surface, like a weed that keeps coming back up, Mm -hmm. let's really look at it from the roots and pull it out so that we can truly understand like, oh, like this is why maybe I've thought about food this way, or maybe this is why I've thought about health this way. And then by understanding what those root causes are, you're able to get that space to see it differently. And with anything, seeing it differently is that first step where you can be like, oh, now I could take a different action because now I'm able to see that properly. Gotcha. So. so a highly, highly personalized solution. Yeah. Yeah. With the individual in mind. That is exactly. cool. Yeah. So I like my one can question. I like to keep to the end. <laughs> So what's the one thing that most people don't know about you that they might be surprised about? <laughs> oh, one thing. I think a lot of people now would not know about me was that in a prior life, I used to be an electronic DJ. No way! My last guest was his thing is I'm in the EDM. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I think um, I mean. Okay, what's your jam as an electronic DJ? Who should go to? Mm, no, various. I mean, it's it's something that I've been to into for you know ever since after college. So um, you know, a lot of DJs. I've gone to some festivals and you know concerts and. Um, you know, I've met Tiesto and met Armin oh. Van Buren, all these people. So, 
it's something that I, I have reverence for and I really appreciate. And, you know, again, going back to the fundamentals, I learned how to do production and really, because I think once someone understands how to create like really high quality electronic music, you have a deep appreciation for the people that can do it really well. So um, I think as I've matured, it's, it's like tastes have changed, but um, you know, definitely on Spotify, there's uh, at least half my playlists are still within the EDM range. And so, yeah. Is it the same? <laughs> <laughs> the last guy um angel that was talking to last week the same thing it's like yeah my family haven't embraced the edm side you know <laughs> my kids are more into hip-hop and rap and you know um i think i've got hope for my youngest she, she kind of likes it a wee bit but yeah so that's my friday night cranching and that's what i was saying is friday nights um i am into the above and beyond oh you know? I love Above and Beyond. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the podcast. Drop that one in and it's how I finish my Friday. Or when I'm doing Friday dinner, that's how I'm doing that. Just like two hours of my trance. That's me. Fantastic. Awesome. Hey, brother. Well, absolutely amazing. Before we go, would you like to tell everybody where they can find you, your programs, and, and Bedros, and all the rest? Yeah, 100%. Um, you can find our company at nutritional.fitness. Um, this is our main website. I will tell you that we are doing some construction. So just, uh, I want to tell that in advance and be transparent. Always but improving. on Facebook, you can find me at Jess Kummerlin, J-E-S-S Kummerlin, K-U-E-M-M-E-R-L-I-N. And of course, like I said, I love to chat with people who want to enter that race of health and are looking for something new. So those are the two main places that you can find me and connect. And then, yeah, I look forward to chatting with you. Awesome, bro. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your evening and your weekend. Yeah. Uh, enjoy Portugal. Of course. I'm sure the weather's better than it is here in the Okanagan. <laughs> but enjoy the above and beyond podcast tonight. Yeah, it's going to get cranked pretty soon. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thank you very much. Take care. All right, Grant. Thanks. Cheers, my man. Bye-bye.